My name's JD. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, before we dive in this morning, let's just continue in some of the work that's already been done this morning to pray for this space, uh, to pray the name of Jesus over what we're doing here in this time. Uh, as we approach scripture, try to listen to what God's saying to us as a community. Let's just pray for Jesus's protection over this time, over this space, over this school. Let's do that. Would you join me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we declare that this space is yours. We pray the powerful name of Jesus over this space and over this time. Jesus, your name is powerful and mighty to save. It brings peace and joy and healing. God, we pray uh, against any evil spirit or evil force in this school that's oppressing the learning that's taking place here. We come against it in Jesus' name and we say, that's not right. God, we ask for your presence to invade, to bring peace, so that these students can learn to grow and flourish. We ask the same for the administration, God, that you would, you would be with them, that your presence would guide them, that your grace would be in their midst. Jesus, we believe in your power, in the name of, or the power of your name, God, so we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining me in doing that. Well, we've been in the sermon series called Going Public, and uh, as soon as we started this series, I thought of this story in my life that's kind of a going public fail, if you will. Um, so 2011, fall 2011, I had just moved to Minneapolis and started uh, to go to seminary here, and I met this girl. I had met her before. Her name was Christian Ann. Uh, so we started hanging out, uh, Christian Ann is now my wife, started hanging out, uh, you know, grabbing lunch, I asked her, what's your story, you know, real sly like that, and, uh, it got to the point in our relationship, uh, where we're like, this is kind of a thing, you know, we're, we're kind of a thing, we're, we're dating, so back, back in that time, it's probably still the case now, maybe not, I've been removed from this situation for a while, you, like, changed your relationship status on Facebook when this happened? See, the thing was that our, our families, though, didn't really know about the other. Like, we hadn't told them about each other yet. But one day before I was about to go back home uh, to Ashland, Wisconsin, to hang out with my family, I'm like, wouldn't it be funny to change my relationship status to being in a relationship with Christian Ann, who they'd never met? So we did, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. So about an hour into the drive home, my, my phone starts ringing, and the first one's my mom. <laughs> my mom's like this classic sort of uh, Wisconsinite at this point, and she's kind of, be, you, you can sense the anxiousness in her voice, this passive-aggressive, so anything new in your life right now? <laughs> I'm just like playing along with what I think is funny. Nope, nope. So then the, uh, the conversation ends awkwardly. I get home, I walk in, and she, can, she keeps like doing stuff and is real busy. And we go for like two hours saying nothing about this. And then my sister walks in the door and she looks me in the eye and she's not as Wisconsin nice or passive aggressive. She says, I'm mad at you. First thing out of her lips, I'm mad at you, but I'm so excited. So it turns out I learned from that day that... Uh, your family would like to know important things about you before Facebook does. So that has nothing to do with the sort of going public we're talking about today. 
But it's just a funny story, so I wanted to share it with you. And usually all you, you all need a good laugh before we start talking about stuff. So we're talking in this conversation about going public, uh, going public with our faith, talking about what it means to be a public follower of Jesus. And we're talking about it in this election season because we wanted to capture this moment where our, our society, our culture is, is sort of fixated on what's happening in the public sphere. We wanted to have this conversation about what it means for us as Christians to participate in public spaces, what it means for us to go public in a sense. We've had conversations about, um, D, last week a guest pastor came and shared with us about advocating. We talked about healing. We talked about really practical things of what it means for us as Christians to step into public spaces. And one of the biggest revelations that we've been talking about is though the vote that we will cast November 8th is important, it's important to dialogue about that, it's important to engage in those conversations, what we do on an everyday, ordinary level in public spaces is far more important how we're listening to God's voice, how we're following God's leadership into public spaces is important. And that's what this conversation is about. Each week when we've kind of looked at this from a different angle, we approach a certain scripture and try to listen to it and ask what, would, what, what could we learn from it? What could we learn with, uh, from how the spirit of God leads people into public spaces? And what does that mean for our community? So this morning, we're going to look at a text that I think is super important in the midst of this conversation because it's one of the first things or one of the first occurrences in Jesus' public ministry. We're going to look at Luke 4, 16 through 22. Uh, so if you'll turn in, the, uh, in your Bible, or uh, it'll be up on the screen in a little bit, let me preface what's happening in this story a little bit. So it's really interesting when you look at Jesus' going public narrative. It's really interesting to look at how he starts his public ministry and how he moves into public spaces. Because first of all, he starts off with the baptism where he, he starts off on the right foot and then immediately after that, he goes into the desert for 40 days. That doesn't really make sense to a, a, someone who maybe wants to go public with something, but for him, it was meaningful to go through that testing, to trust in the Holy Spirit. And then the story we're going to read today is right after he's coming out of the desert, his first sort of public engagement with his ministry. So let's read uh, in chapter 4, verse 16. And it's very important to note that this is his hometown. He's going to his hometown and giving his first sermon, if you will, his first address, his first um, act of talking about what his new vocation is here. And as we read this text, I want you just to imagine the nerves of being this vulnerable, proclaiming these things in front of people who you've grown up with, who have seen you grow up from the littlest of age and have perceptions of you, have expectations of you, and Imagine what it was like for Jesus to proclaim this in their midst. So let's pick up the story in verse 16. It says, He, Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet, prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place, he found a specific place where it was written. And this is what he quoted from Scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me 
to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. They said, isn't this Joseph's son? They asked, isn't this Joseph's son? This is a really bold thing for Jesus to do in his hometown to stand up and say this, uh, say this scripture because this was a really meaningful text It was full of expectation for the Jewish people. This meant that God was doing a new thing, that God was moving, and Jesus was right there saying, he's he's doing it in me. I think what Jesus is doing here, what he's sharing with us as we reflect on this, is this can be a model for what it means for us to go public, what it, a model for what it means for us to step into public spaces. I think Jesus chooses this text because he wants it to shape how people understand him going into public spaces. And the, the part of it that I think is particularly important for us is verse 18. And I want to just unpack that a little bit because I think it gives us a model, an understanding of for what it means for us to step into public spaces. Let me read it again. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The first part of that, the spirit of the Lord is on me. It's really clear by Jesus choosing this passage that he wanted people to understand that the main character in his story was God. The main character was the spirit of God leading him to do these things. He says elsewhere in scriptures, he's modeling this behavior for us. Even though he was God, he was saying, I only do what I see the father doing. He was giving us an example that what it means to be a public Christian is to first and foremost follow the leadership of the spirit in our lives. The story we tell in public is not our own story. God is the character God is a character in the story that we're telling in public. He thinks it's extremely important to point out that the spirit is leading him to do these things. The second thing he says is, uh, because he has anointed me. He's using this phrase anointed to hearken back to when people are designated for a certain vocation, for a certain task. He's talking about being called out on a particular mission. So not only are we filled with the spirit, but we have a particular mission. We're sent out. The church itself, the word church means the called out ones, the ones who are called out for a purpose. Jesus is giving us an example that what it means to go public, what it means to step into public spaces is that we have a calling that's defined by the Spirit's leadership in our lives. And then he says, what is this all for? What's the Spirit's leadership and this calling on our life for? It's to proclaim good news to the poor, to the prisoner, to the blind, to the oppressed. This word proclaim good news is actually one Greek word. It's euangelion. It's where we get the word evangelism from. It's where the word evangelical comes from. And that word today has meant something far different than what it means in this text now. If you hear it in the news, it means something far different than, it's a, it was a verb originally, to proclaim, to announce 
good news in that space. Jesus sees his primary mission on earth is to pronounce the good news of what, Je- uh, what God is doing in their midst. What the good news means, what it means to proclaim the good news is to tell the story of what God is doing then and there. And for him, that meant living out the story right then and there and proclaiming and naming God's action in that story. What it means to go public is to be a storyteller, to be someone who tells the story of the good news about what God is doing. God reveals who God is to the world when we stop to tell the stories of what he's doing around us. That's what Jesus is modeling for us. It's really significant after this story, what happens? Because up until this point, Jesus has primarily been teaching and preaching in synagogues and in places. Right after this story, people, people kick him out of the synagogue. They say, you have to leave. They chase him out actually to the edge of the town. And some people even want to kill him and then he escapes. And it's really important, it's subtle, but it's important to notice that the rest of his ministry, this being filled by the spirit, anointed to proclaim good news as he sees it, is done in public spaces, mostly in different spaces than what traditionally happened in that time for a teacher to teach. He goes to people's homes. He sits around people's tables. He goes to people's family gathering and teaches and proclaims what God is doing in their midst. He does his ministry on the street. He even, there's evidence of him instructing disciples to go and do what he's doing, proclaiming the good news in their work and find work and point out what God is doing in those spaces. It's very significant that the spirit of God leads Jesus not to the primary places where people understand God moving, which would have been, been in the synagogue. It's around tables. It's in family homes. It's in public spaces. That's really important for us because I think when we think of what it means to tell God's story, we've been told for generations maybe that that means bringing people to church so that they can hear what God is up to. The example of our Savior, the example of our God in Jesus was to go into public spaces and name what God was up to there, not bring people into a space so that they could hear what God was up to. It's people who know they're filled with the Spirit who are willing to participate with God in ordinary everyday spaces like around a table, like in family homes, like in workplaces, and who are willing to have the courage to tell stories about what God is doing. Let me just share what I've seen this sort of model look like in my own life. Uh, if you hang around Christian Ann and I long enough recently, you hear the story that we're about to be foster to adopt parents. It's been about a year and a half journey that we've been on pursuing growing our family in this way. So all the time people are like, why are you doing that? Why are you choosing adoption? And in those conversations, I get to talk about how throughout my life, God has been preparing me for this moment by having an uncle who is adopted. I get to talk about my community, where there's such rich stories in this community that have inspired Christian Ann and I to pursue this. Stories of adoption, stories of foster care that have brought this to our attention. I get the story, I tell the story about one Sunday after church gathering here, Christian Ann and I just felt like God was saying to us, we need to consider this foster to adopt first. 
Oftentimes people ask me, why foster to adopt? Why are you doing that? And I get to tell the story of being a part of a community that's trying to love our community in the name of Jesus. And for us, that's not just a a cute little slogan that we believe and say. It's something that shapes our life. So when we were thinking about adoption, it shaped our imagination to thinking we would love to adopt a child who's from here, who's from our neighborhood. When people ask, why would you do that? They often say, I could never do that. I could never do what you guys are about to do. And my response is always, I don't know if I can either. I'm not sure if I have the courage either. And in those stories, in that time, there's an opportunity for me to tell the story of the tremendous trust I have in God and not myself to be a foster parent. I say to them all the time, I feel like God's asked us to do this, so I'm gonna be trusting him to give us uh, the power and the, the, the ability to do this in our lives. And I cannot tell you the amazing conversations I've been in with people who are leaning into the story that's unfolding in our life. And I think they're genuinely curious about this God that we spend our time talking about and following because of the story that he's writing in our lives. And the truth is, God is writing these sorts of stories in all of your lives. God is doing such good things in your life. I've talked to you, I know your stories. God has healed you. God has called you into new vocations. God has given you dreams for businesses that are uh, are, um, environmentally sustainable, that have social impact. God has provided for you when you didn't know where things were coming from. God has given you children when you weren't sure you could have children. God has healed your heart and your physical body in different relationships. God has saved your friends that you've been praying for for years. God is doing things in our community and there's such good news to be telling about. Doesn't our world need some good news right now? Don't the circles that you find yourself in, in the public spaces, in work, in your family, couldn't we use some good news about what God is doing in our midst? Amidst all the crazy that's happening right now, I think the most healing and transformative thing that we can do as we enter into these public spaces is tell the stories of what God is doing in our midst. Krishnan had the opportunity a while back to do a community interview. These are things uh, we've constructed to listen to our community. She got the opportunity to sit down with a business owner from Northeast and ask him questions about Northeast and about Mill City. And one one of the questions was, how can Mill City participate more in what's happening uh, in Northeast? It was really interesting what he said, and I think it's kind of a challenge for our own community. He's like, you know, I've heard about that Sheridan story thing that you do, but I have a question for you. Why don't you guys talk about that Jesus is the reason you're doing that? When she told our staff that story, it was super convicting. Here's a guy who I'm I'm not sure where his faith is at, just a member from our community, someone in our public space, who's looking at our community and saying, why don't you say that's you're doing that because you love Jesus? And I gotta wonder how many people there are in your life, in your family, in your workplace, that look at your life and hear what's going on and wonder, I wonder why they don't talk about why Jesus isn't the reason they're doing that, or Jesus is the reason they're doing that. 
I wonder how many missed opportunities there is for us to share the good news, the gospel about what Jesus is doing here and now in our midst. You see, if people have the courage, if our community has the courage to let the spirit of God, to acknowledge that the spirit of God is in us and on us and has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor, to the oppressed, to everyone in our neighborhood, when we do that, and when we have the courage to tell those stories, God reveals himself to our community, draws people to himself, and starts relationship with them. So a really practical thing for you to consider this week. To prepare for these moments when you're prompted to tell a story, just think right now, what's one story in your life that you could have? Think back at your life right now. What is one thing God's done in your life? And if you want some low-hanging fruit, easy one, just think of a story from Mill City, maybe the one you heard this morning. I want you to stick that in the back of your mind, and as you go through your week, as you go into these public spaces, neighborhoods, workplace, and your extended family even, be ready with that story. And don't be surprised when there's an opportunity when someone says, how are you doing? Or what's happening in your life recently? And why not just practice the opportunity to tell a story that starts with God? Tell a story where God's a character in it and see what happens in that relationship. I'm gonna ask the band to come up at this time. This week, uh, we get to celebrate communion. And communion is this really beautiful practice that Jesus gave us to reenact rehearse and remember his story and receive this invitation that we have a story to live out. We have a story to tell. I want to read this section of scripture from 1 Corinthians for you. Um, This is Paul speaking to a church and he says, this is what communion means for us. So let me read these words over communion. And as you come and take communion today, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're invited to do that. The bread's gluten-free. You can dip it in uh, the juice as you come up. But before you do so, just ponder what God's story has been in your life. Before you come up, acknowledge God's movement in your own story and thank him for it. Let me read these words to give meaning what we're, to what we're about to do next. Paul says to his followers, a church in Corinthians, a church gathered much like ours, he says, for I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said this, said, this is my body. This is my life. This is me. It's for you. This is my body broken for you. When you do this, when you break bread, do it in remembrance of me, my story. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup saying, this is a new covenant, new relationship a new reality in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, 
my sacrifice for you. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, whenever you do what we're about to do, you proclaim, you tell the story, you reenact the story of the Lord's death and sacrifice and resurrection for you and for this world. Come as you're ready.